You're listening to the voice of the private sector. Welcome to Brian Bushlack's Business Briefing, only on AM 770 KTTH. Okay, let's roll up our sleeves and get down to business. An action-packed show lined up for you. Welcome to the Voice of the Private Sector. It is week three of Marine Manufacturing Month, and straight ahead we'll hear from the president of Oregon Ironworks, Corey Iragwin, joins us in about 15 minutes. A special guest just past the bottom of the hour, Captain George Capacci and Dan Kovacic from Maxim Petroleum to round out this hour. Quick preview of hour number two. Our special guest is Harry Merlo, one of the most successful businessmen in the great Northwest. We'll spend most of hour number two with Harry. First, though, we'll check in with Patrick Stone, the president and CEO of Williston Financial Group and WFG National Title. I sat down with Pat recently to chat about the regional real estate market and our local economy. Well, Pat, let's open up with updates on the fall season and real estate. How do the markets look in Seattle and Portland? You know, they're relatively good, Brian, but they don't move in concert. Uh, Right now, it seems that Seattle's picked up a little bit the last 30 days. Portland slowed down a little bit, but they seem to ebb and flow. They don't, again, they're geographically related, but they don't necessarily move exactly at the same pace. Overall, I think the markets are relatively good. I think the activity will sustain itself at or near current levels with some seasonal adjustments. But uh, again, I think both markets are relatively healthy on a historical perspective, historical being the last six, seven years, uh, they're relatively healthy. That's good to hear. Now, shifting gears a little bit over to the commercial side, multifamily. I was at the Nayot Breakfast in Portland this past week. Apartment market still red hot across the region. A uh, pair of luxury towers announced in Seattle this past week in Portland. Uh, we heard multifamily consultant Jerry Johnson forecasting the market will stay strong through 2016. 7,000 new units in the pipeline in Portland. Uh, up to 25,000 across the region. I'm hearing numbers as high as 40,000 across the region. Are you concerned about a bubble in the next couple of years? Not really. I mean, the, you, you need to back up and understand that the apartment market and the single-family residential market do not move uh, totally independent of each other. This is a function of supply and demand. The demand is household formation. The supply is living units, be they single-family residences or apartment units. We're not building very many single-family residences, so uh, the demand for apartment units is much higher. That can be traced right back to the lack of the first-time buyer. The first-time buyer is the 28- to 34-year-old who is dependent on consumer confidence, certitude of income, a reasonable expectation of raises, and that uh, still hasn't corrected itself entirely. So the first-time buyer is not has not re-engaged in the purchases of homes. They need a place to live. They're moving out of mom and pa's basement, and they need a place to live, so they're taking down apartment units. Uh, Overall construction of living units is still below household formations. Now, when you get a resurgence of single-family construction, and if you maintain apartment construction at the same level, we'll have a problem. And that's a great point. That's why I asked you, because there was absolutely no mention whatsoever of the residential market in that conversation. I actually quite honestly thought it was kind of myopic because that's all it focused on was multifamily, 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 and the numbers and the lenders and this really big concern among the panel at that NAOP meeting that there was a bubble already. Yeah, you know, this. Uh, uh, it's really unfortunate, but we we become obsessed in whatever segment of life we're involved in. And uh, if you look at residents, uh, you looked at 
living units, if you will. Um, it's really a very simple supply and demand ratio, uh, number of household formations versus the number of li- living units available. Living units are apartments or single-family residences or whatever, and the market really is a, a, a function of both of them together. Now, uh, I've said before on your program that between 2001 and 2006, we built about 2.3 million more living units than we had household formations. So when when the bubble burst, uh, it is not a surprise that prices went down dramatically. We had this uh, absolutely absurd oversupply of living units to, to household formations. Since 2008, household formations have actually exceeded new unit construction, uh, and new unit construction including both single-family and apartments. Right now, a single family, again, is depressed, so apartment construction is very robust. The demand is there for living units, especially among young people that can't buy a home. Uh, At some point in time, we will overbuild both. Pat Stone joining us, president and CEO of Williston Financial Group and WFG National Title. You mentioned uh, those young millennials who can't buy homes. been much debate about that the past couple years. Uh, You've debunked this as well. Uh, Zillow backed it up. They put out an interesting study that showed young adults who graduate into a recession do indeed tend to lag as homebuyers. Six-year post-recession, they actually look to purchase. So if we do the math on that, uh, that means we should have a, a new quite large crop of home buyers here in 2015, right? Yeah, you know, Brian, I, I'm accused sometimes of being overly simple, but the way I look at it is it's a function of consumer confidence. Because if you think about it, you're 28 to 34 years old, you don't have life savings. You don't have a large amount of money to make for a down payment. So you're going to scrape and scramble to be able to buy a home. You're not going to buy a home unless you have certitude about keeping your job and reasonable expectations that you have uh, potential jo- uh, pay increases and a good career. That expectation is, is there's a high correlation between that expectation and overall consumer confidence. Consumer confidence had a little dip last month, but it's been trending upwards. It's about 86.3, I think, in the last uh, statistic. Um, I think when consumer confidence gets in the mid-90s, you will see the first-time buyer reemerge aggressively, that their confidence will be up with the overall confidence. I think if we see four or five quarters of 3% plus GDP growth, we'll be there. But that's what it's tied to. And the six years is an arbitrary number because usually six years after a recession, consumer confidence has returned. Got to ask you, too. I mean, things have changed in the past 20 years in downtown Portland and downtown Seattle. I know when I was a youngster living in Portland, we didn't have these really cool uh, apartment complexes in the Pearl District. Same is true in Seattle. Nowadays, if you want to live in an urban setting, um, you can do that. And it's pretty cool. You can keep your costs down. You can walk. You can ride your bike. You couldn't do that 20 years ago. Or if you did, you were living in a dump. Well, true, but, you know, so uh, maybe you you have an apartment now, and then maybe things get good, they condomize them, or they turn them into condos, and you're off and again. It, it doesn't matter to me when I look at the market whether it's an apartment or a single-family residence. Number of households versus the number of available living units tells you where the market is. I want to talk about uh, this story of HOAs foreclosing on homeowners. I saw this in the Wall Street Journal. Haven't seen much of it in the Northwest, but uh, what's going on here? You know, that's a good question, and I'm really not in a position to talk about that with any expertise. I will tell you that I think it is problematic. I do think it's going to create an issue. There are businesses out there that are actually formed around this concept. 
Uh, I wouldn't personally. I wouldn't invest in them, but I don't know enough about it to really give your listeners any advice. Okay, so well, on to the next topic. And I was going to talk about Halloween. I want to give you some interesting numbers in just a second. But um, from what you've told us in this segment, you seem pretty optimistic. And we're going to talk more about uh, global and national perspectives in our next hour of business briefing. We'll split the segments up this weekend. But you seem to be pretty positive about the regional real estate market and economy heading into 2015. I am, um, barring a, a really unforeseen catastrophic event, um, I think the underlying uh, growth of the economy is very solid. Uh, I think that you're seeing some fundamental changes that are positive for the economy. Um, you know, you have data points that scare people, like retail sales were down in September. Uh, my, I was asked about that. My comment is, so what? You know, the consumer still has a lot of debt. The consumer still has a full year of income in debt. So the consumer is not going to be buying year-round. Am I optimistic about the uh, the holiday season? Very much so. And I think the consumer has lowered their debt service to the point where they can participate probably at the highest level ever in the Christmas season. So we'll see. I remain confident. I think industrial production is up. Um, the dollar is getting stronger. Uh, you know, the old Bill Gross line, the U.S. is the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry. Um, our energy costs are down. Um, I think we're okay here in the United States. You know, we'll talk about the world later, but uh, I'm still reasonably optimistic about the next uh, couple of years. Hey, finally, most importantly, Halloween, uh, not too far off. Seattle and Portland, Pat, both in the top 10 for trick-or-treating in terms of volumes of candy dispersed. And uh, for our listeners in Seattle, Finney Ridge, Wallingford, Queen Anne, the top neighborhoods, Portland, Alameda, Laurelhurst, Irvington, Mount Tabor, and East Moreland. What are you handing out? Um, we, <laughs> you know, you're going to embarrass me. We live at the end of a gated 100-yard-long driveway through the forest, so we don't have many trick-or-treaters. <laughs> you're not going to stand out by your gate? Come on. <laughs> no, no. Uh, whatever candy we buy, I'll eat before Halloween. <laughs> I do exactly the same thing. Pat Stone, the president and CEO of Williston Financial Group and WFG National Title. And stick around. Part two of our interview with Pat comes up in our number two of Business Briefing. 